I'm Meg Dahl, your unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. everyone and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. I'm super excited to be sitting down with you today and chatting about one of my favorite topics, the Enneagram. (laughs) And I am joined by one of my favorite people, Gina Gomez. She is literally my go-to girl for all things Enneagram. And she just wrote a book, It's called The Enneagram and You, and it specifically focuses on how the Enneagram can support and improve your relationships, whether that's your relationships at home, in the workspace. So if you are a business owner and you work with a team of people, I think this book would be really beneficial for you because I have also integrated the Enneagram into my business and how I communicate and support my team of Nourish and Free Leaders. So if you feel like you're in a similar position to me working with a team of people, this would be really beneficial for you. But it also touches on how you can support your romantic relationships as well. So that's really what Gina and I get into in today's episode. I talk about Scott and I. So my boyfriend, Scott, you met him in a previous episode and we go over our pairing. So I'm a four and Scott is a type five. So we go over that pairing and then I grabbed a couple questions from you over in our Facebook group. So if you're not yet part of our podcast Facebook group, go jump on Facebook, type in the Unbreakable You podcast crew, and you'll find us. You can join. I'll add you in there. I'd love to have you join us there. It's just a really fun place for us to connect even more intimately kind of beyond these podcast episodes. And I always love hearing from you guys, which episodes you're loving and just feedback. Um, And also I'll grab questions from you every now and then when I need them for a show. So I grabbed two questions from our listeners this week. So we have some relationship questions in this episode and they are juicy. And Gina gives us such great advice. She is wonderful. So you're going to absolutely love this episode with Gina. And before we cut over to my chat with her, I just want to remind you of a few things. So I did mention our Facebook group. So the Unbreakable You podcast crew, just go check that out. And then one more reminder that I feel bad I didn't mention last week, but I didn't have my schedule set up 
by then. Um, so my online essential oils classes, I have them all scheduled for the month of April and they take place every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Mountain Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And you can just register for these classes. They're free, by the way, and you do not have to be a member of the Nourished and Free Collective to join me in these classes. Everyone's welcome. And especially if you're interested in natural health care, how I use essential oils to support my mental, emotional, and physical health year round, you will love these classes. So for the month of April, you can expect me to be teaching these classes every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Mountain. And you can sign up for these classes at megdoll.com slash classroom. I won't be recording the classes for this month just because they are taking place every Tuesday, but there are contact forms on my website if you want to just book a discovery call with me if you're unable to attend one of these classes. I would love to jump on a call with you and chat more about your health goals and concerns and how I can help support you with these natural tools. So I just wanted to let you know about that. And now let's cut over to today's episode with Gina Gomez. So Gina, welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you on with me again. Me too. I'm so glad to see you again as well. Yay! You are just one of my favorite people. And I have your brand new book sitting right beside me, The Enneagram and You. Yeah, it came out on Tuesday. I'm so excited. So how does that feel to like birth a book? Gosh, okay, so... I don't know if I'll know exactly how I feel for a few more months, but <laughs> agreed <laughs> for sure. Yeah, presently it feels still surreal, um, and I think, I mean, I think when I finally got it, like got the books in the mail, I had this like moment where I was like, okay, this is this is real because I'm holding it, and I just felt very excited and proud. So mm-hmm. yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I am so proud of you. It's a dream of mine to be an author. So I'm just like so excited for one of my friends to create something that she's really excited about. And I shared the cover and kind of like flipped through some of the pages on my Instagram stories the other day. And I just have to say it is the most beautiful book I have ever seen. Just the design is so gorgeous. Yeah. Thank you. Did you have a lot to do with like the cover? Uh, So, yeah, I, they sent me the original um, draft and then I got to give them um, my input on any changes, but the original design looks very close to that. So there was just some um, like font changes and things like that, but I was so excited 
when I saw because the designer had kind of taken inspiration from my branding, my website, my Instagram page. So yeah. Oh, that makes so much sense because it's very your style for sure. Yeah, (laughs) That's awesome. And I feel like the last time we talked, actually, this book was kind of like hush hush. Like you kind of told me that you were writing a book, but I don't think we actually announced it on the show. That's true. Yeah, I don't think we did because I wasn't able to talk about it yet, Um, which I'm still not sure why, but (laughs) the um, publishing world is very interesting. And um, yeah, I've been dying to talk about it ever since um, I started writing it. So it was, I think during that, when did we record that? I'm not quite sure. My gosh, I can't even remember. I should have checked like what episode number that was, but I'll have it linked up for our listeners in the show notes, just so if they want to hear more of you, they can go back to that episode. But it was a while ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. Yeah. Well, so what was the writing process like? I know I want to like actually dive into the contents of the book and stuff, but I also think it's so cool to hear from authors about like what the writing process actually was like and how it felt for you. Yeah, Yeah, thanks thanks for asking that. I actually don't, I enjoy talking about that part because while I was doing it, I wasn't able to. So I, I think for the most part, it was very challenging for me because I am not a writer, like, you know, your typical traditional writer where, you know, you, um, focus on that your entire life. So when the project was gifted to me, I, um, I went into hours of research and hours of writing, and it felt very foreign to me. <laughs> um, and the process, the process in general, was a little bit lonely because I wasn't able to um, like have anyone who was in that same space. Um, and then I found someone at the very end of it who had was also writing a book, so it was nice to kind of share stories. I wish. That there was more resources online for especially first-time writers right because like when you do something for the first time you don't know what you're doing <laughs> um so a little help would have been nice yeah yeah so actually if we do have anyone listening that maybe is a first-time writer or has kind of like a lifelong goal like myself to write a book someday do you have any like quick tips that you would give to first-time writers? Sure. So I think that there's like two different um, approaches. So sometimes people write their book and then they try to get it published and then others are approached by different publishers. But I think if it's your first time going in, um, ask as many questions as you want and as you can because it's, it's so great to know what the expectations are um, and just giving yourself that grace that uh, you're doing something for the first time and it's going to be difficult. So, um, yeah, asking questions and reaching out. Awesome. And I know, obviously, the book is about the Enneagram and relationships, but you, you're an Enneagram type two. And so what do you feel like being an Enneagram type two? Were there any like specific challenges that came up for you as a two writing this book? 
Yeah, definitely. So the twos are, um, they become challenged when critical thinking uh, is involved. So I and most twos spend a lot of their thinking time, let's say, <laughs> um, in their relationships. So usually I tell type twos, if you think about it, when you know your thoughts kind of do kind of float off, it's usually about a relationship. And so it was definitely very challenging to then just try to focus on, um, you know, writing and research. And what I was doing was taking naps every, like, I don't know, hour, hour and a half, like quick 30 minute naps because my brain was exhausted. <laughs> and so I think for a type two, it was, it was that for me for sure. So interesting, right? That kind of reminds me back um, about like university and studying and stuff like that. And you just kind of like forget how exhausting that is. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, let's dive in. So this is this book that you wrote, The Enneagram and You, it's about understanding your personality type. So in the beginning, you actually have a quiz for everyone if they don't know their Enneagram type, but we already Mm -hmm. have episodes about that. So what I wanted to really dive in with you today is about Enneagram and relationships. And that's like what a huge portion of this book is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what's one thing, like, why do you love talking about the Enneagram and how it relates to relationships? I think, um, okay. So I just want to preface really quickly because like you said, there is a quiz in the book and Um, If you've been following me on Instagram, I usually always tell people that a lot of the online quizzes are inaccurate, but I I think that you can use the quiz um, if you're trying to figure out your Enneagram type to narrow it down between two or three types. And so we wanted to put a quiz in the book so that you would also be able to do that. And so if you end up with like, you know, maybe the tie score between two or three, then you can go into the chapters where the uh, Enneagram profiles are outlined to kind of dive in deeper and then possibly type yourself there because there's so much information. Um, So we definitely wanted to include all of that, but the relationships in the Enneagram, um, I think... I can speak for everyone, that as soon as we figure out our type, we immediately want to know what other people are, the people in our lives, whether we live with them or we're in a relationship or even for people that we work with, because we immediately want to know, you know, how to better communicate with them maybe or understand their quirks and some of the, you know, their behaviors that they have. Um, We usually always have somebody in our life that we don't quite understand or that we clash with. And I think that um, most people enjoy finding out more about others as well in relation to themselves. Totally. Yeah. And like you said, I'm really glad that you pointed that thing out about the quiz because I mean, you know me, I'm not an Enneagram coach like you are, but I get asked every single day about Enneagram in my DMs and like which quiz to take. And I'm always like really, really careful to tell people 
that like a quiz is probably not going to give you your accurate type and Mm -hmm. to kind of like I like telling people to go to actually read through every single type and Mm -hmm. understand like the core fears and the desires and things like that so it's so much more than a quiz and I know you're a huge advocate for saying this is really like a self um like a personal journey right like a self-discovery journey that was the word that I was looking for Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, when it comes to how we identify ourselves, I, you know, it's like we wouldn't just leave it up to a quiz, even if it, it was accurate. Let's say, you know, we want to still dive deeper into making sure that we feel comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. So, how can the Enneagram actually help us with our relationships? Yeah, I, you know, I think for the most part, we start off by just becoming aware of our own behaviors and understanding, oh, that's why, you know, maybe I'm triggered when someone doesn't understand what I'm saying. And then we can then understand, okay, so if I'm triggered that way, then maybe my partner or my parents or whoever it is, um, when they get triggered and they act a certain way, there's probably an underlying motivation. So instead of holding judgment towards ourselves and towards them, um, we can replace that with compassion and maybe a little bit of curiosity. um, So that definitely, I think, alleviates frustration right away and, you know, leaves um, room also for maybe conversation rather than... um, a big argument. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And for you personally, like how has the Enneagram helped you maybe the most? Like, do you kind of have a little memory or something like that where you're like, wow, my knowledge on the Enneagram really helped me in this situation? Yes, I, I have several. So <laughs> I have several times when I'm like, so I'm 37, and I I think um, I was 26 when I discovered the Enneagram. And so going into my, like, late 20s, I was still highly, highly reactive and taking things very personal um, frequently. And so with just understanding myself better and, again, like, understanding those motivations behind my behaviors – I was able to lengthen the time between, you know, maybe becoming triggered by something and then reacting right away. (laughs) Um, So I think um, to answer your question specifically, you know, when we get into these maybe moments of we can kind of feel the tightening in our chest or, you know, like our heart racing and things like that, um, it just lengthens by understanding ourselves and other people it lengthens that response time so we can take a few breaths and realize okay i'm not being attacked or i you know maybe this this person didn't intend to say something like that and that's really helped i think just the reactivity levels 
Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So I know you and I have talked about this episode and kind of what we wanted to talk about. So we want to talk about a few different pairings, right? I think that would be a lot of fun. I know you talk about that a lot and I haven't had an episode like that before. So why don't we dive into a few different pairings? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I feel like, well, my listeners, obviously they're very familiar with me. I'm a type four. Scott, my boyfriend, has been on this podcast before and he shows up in my Instagram stories regularly. And so my listeners are also really familiar with him and kind of like his personality and stuff like that. So he is a type five. So would you be okay talking about that type of pairing? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So how about I read the type four and five pairing and then you can kind of like tell me if you think it's accurate. Yeah, let's do that. Cool. Okay. Let me turn to a pairing book. We'll do the type four and five in love. Has he embraced his fineness? So, Scott, when I first told him about the Enneagram, he just kind of, he has that mentality where if you read anything, he like thinks anything can kind of apply. Like, you know, I could read kind of like horoscopes, right? Like you could read something and he just believes that, oh, anyone could read that and Mm, it could apply to them. That was his first reaction. And then I kept sending him like five things, right? Mm -hmm. Because I follow you, I follow Christy and all these other amazing women (laughs) that are educating about the Enneagram. And I always send him five things and he started to see how accurate that was like for him personally. Mm -hmm. So he definitely, I would say he embraces it now for sure. Awesome. Yeah. It does sound sort of like a five's journey with the Enneagram. It's like there's some skepticism, which is great because they're great at discerning. Um, But then eventually they're like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's his attitude for sure. It's like, okay, everything that you're sending me right now, that's exactly how I feel for sure. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, Okay. So I'll read the type four and type five in a relationship. So the strengths that you and Scott have, you're both unconventional and quirky, both cherish your time alone, and they both enjoy stimulating conversation. Some of the challenges, conflicting levels of emotion, a sense of not belonging, and maybe a little bit of social awkwardness. Does any of that resonate? Definitely. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Especially the conflicting levels of emotions for sure. Yeah. Okay. So in each pairing, there's loving and harmony. Then we talk about challenges and then conflict resolution. So the unconventional couple shares several similarities as well as opposites that strengthen what the other is lacking. They thrive off of creativity, curiosity, and living in their imaginations. Fours offer fives an invitation to go beyond their thoughts into a colorful world of emotions. Fives show fours ways to be more logical and grounded. 
This couple usually spends their time together creating or exploring or having lively conversations at their favorite artisanal coffee shop, perhaps. Both of them appreciate each other's quirks and individuality, allowing them to be completely themselves. All right, so their challenges. This couple has contrasting emotional needs. This is where they will struggle to find a satisfying balance. Fours need a lot of attention, which can quickly overwhelm fives who may become drained and off-put by such neediness. Fives are emotionally detached and can come across as cold and unavailable to fours. If the connection is not made, fours will get caught in a cycle of trying to connect and feeling rejected. Fives will want more space away from fours to avoid this cycle. So conflict resolution for these two. This couple will need to establish trust and some degree of intimacy in order to under to truly understand and have compassion for where the other is coming from. Fives value their privacy and can get easily overwhelmed with too much emotion. Fours need to respect the boundaries and can practice easing their emotions and fears. Fives need to practice gradually staying connected over time, having confidence that relationships can be nurturing and appreciating fours' depth of feeling and deep well of empathy. Yeah, it feels like you described us oh, after good. like observing <laughs> us for 24 hours or something like that. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, much longer than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Yes, that would be the exact picture of us for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely, I mean... Scott is just so calm and like his emotions are always just like very, very steady. He doesn't mm-hmm. escalate at all. <laughs> whereas, yeah. whereas my emotions can definitely um, escalate <laughs> yeah, really, really and quickly, quickly, really, really quickly to the point where he's like, whoa, where did that even yeah. come from? You yeah. know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So sure. that is definitely something that over the years, like we've been together for almost five years now. And, you know, um, I can definitely learn from that for sure. Um, but I feel like, um, with fives, they still, they have to really kind of like come out of their five shell. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a shell. And, um, so I think Christy and I, on our Modern Enneagram podcast, we talked about our favorite couples, and um, it was just for fun. Like, it wasn't, you know, like, these couples are the best or anything. But I picked a four and a five because I love the dynamic of building off of each other's strengths. The fact that, you know, fives can learn so much from the four's emotional availability and how four can really learn a lot from setting those, you know, um, really strong mood swings that feel very, very real and powerful in the moment. I think five spring this, you know, like you said, this like steady calmness that's always there. Um, so yeah. 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 I loved that podcast episode too. And I think that was like the first one you started talking about. You shared three and then you were like, okay, I'm going to start with the four and the five. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) That was so great. But I know it's just for fun because like you said, like there's, there's really no like best pairings. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. but that was just kind of one of your favorites. So that was kind of special for me, especially 
at the time when I was listening to your podcast, it was like I was just getting into the Enneagram. And so to hear that, I was like, that's so cool. Um, But yeah, there was so much that I could take away from that for sure. Um, And I really feel like we could obviously Scott and I have a great relationship, but I feel like we could really take away from that conflict resolution Mm -hmm. stuff. I know something that I've been reminding myself in my head, like I'm really good at like making stories up in my head, um, especially when he's being like his quiet self and you put Mm -hmm. it perfectly like fours tend to feel like rejected if people are just like Mm -hmm. quiet and kind of cold to them um but then I just like have to remind myself that that's like a five characteristic right Mm -hmm. Mm yeah exactly yeah and not I mean, there's a give and take, but definitely being able to quiet your mind, like, okay, this isn't um, maybe a personal rejection. There's probably something else going on underneath. But yeah, like, again, bringing all that awareness to our relationships really helps us to not spiral ourselves. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So how could a four like myself not be needy to a five, but... (laughs) still kind of like communicate to them that we need like that attention. Yeah, I, that's a really good question. And I think, um, so I do talk about this in the book because um, when it comes to subtypes, so there's another element of the Enneagram, there's several, but one of them is the subtypes and when it comes to relationships, uh, this is like a deeper level you can go with understanding um, how your significant other or other people in your life are trying to get their needs met. So in a relationship, um, it really depends on the emotional, you, you called it neediness, but you know, what type of need are you trying to get met really differs for everyone. So let's say you're wanting just more quality time or maybe, you know, more conversation or something like that. I'm a social subtype. That's my dominant one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, So yeah, then it would really depend on like the, the exact need that you're wanting met. And I think it's, um, it can be difficult for fives as well to, Um, because you guys are both in the withdrawn triad Mm -hmm. so it can be difficult to kind of come out and say this is what I need um fives might do it out of fear of rejection or fear that um it's not going to be met in some way so they'd rather just I'll take care of it and like hold that autonomy for themselves um versus a four who is like I don't want to ask for it because you should already know you know (laughs) Why don't you know at this point? It's been five years or 10 years or whatever. Um, So I think just more honesty, like, and a self um, responsibility of like, well, does this person know that I need this? And maybe even if we think that they do, like for the four, it's like, we still have to um, come out of that withdrawn state and ask for those needs. Mm -hmm. That's something I definitely learned from like, talking to Scott about these things because he's like well why don't you just 
tell me, you know, like, I'm like, Mm -hmm. I want you to ask me things, but he's like, and I know that's like a five thing. They just are like, well, if you have something to tell me, you should just tell me (laughs) versus like waiting Mm -hmm. for me to ask you. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's interesting being in a relationship, right? And it's, yeah, no matter what (laughs) type you are, for sure. Okay. So I have a question for you. Do you have... Um, any types that you really want to talk about or is it up to me? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, do you know, like, do you have an idea of like your audience and like what types usually come, come at you? (laughs) Okay. So I did put, I have a Facebook group for the podcast And I did receive a couple questions and they gave me their types. And so we could always use the types um, from those questions that I received. Yeah, that's all I Okay, sweet. So the one that I got, she is an eight and Mm -hmm. he is a two. Oh, that's a very, very common pairing. Is it? (laughs) Yeah, twos and eights. Okay. It's usually that she's a two and he's an eight, but they're both, that pairing is very common. Oh, interesting. Um, I did not yeah. know that. My friend is the eight and her husband's a two. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, when it comes to the two and the eight, there's, you know, <clears throat> by society standards that she was holding a lot of feminine energy and the eight um as we see it is holding a lot of masculine energy so when the female is a type eight it's it's really interesting because she brings a lot of um, softness to all that power and then when the um, male is a two he's bringing some masculinity to all that nurturing and um i don't know any type two men so um yeah i've never met a type two man um but they are usually very kind and warm and you know very thoughtful yeah so I think when these two come together, it's um, it can be so great to kind of mesh the yin and the yang, right? Like having those two kind of balance each other out in that regard. Um, I know that these two also carry a lot of sexual energy um, and that usually there's no problem there. <laughs> and um, yeah, like the physical attraction is usually really, really strong. Okay, so that's actually um, what her question is about. What's that? I said that's what her question is actually about. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, what was her question? (laughs) Okay, so this is like a close friend of mine, too. Um, She said, I appreciate his gentleness in almost every area of our relationship, but how can I encourage more assertiveness when it comes to the bedroom? Mm, Yeah, okay. So... It's interesting because, um, okay, so I think men, when we put them in the context of like in the bedroom, we always want to be careful, right? Because, you know, egos are always involved and we could say the wrong thing that could definitely, um, you know, then trigger a lot of insecurity. And I think that type two men would probably really appreciate a 
um, an approach where it's coming from desire, like tell him what you want instead of not what he's doing correctly. Mm, that's and good so, advice. Yeah, because yeah. it helps to understand like, oh, this is what you want. And twos are, I mean, by default, um, a bit on the people pleasing side. Um, so of course, like if you want him to take more charge, then letting him know like that's what you want, that that's what's going to um, that's what's going to do it for you. <laughs> okay, I like that. Good. Yeah. I think she'll really appreciate that. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, if she wants more detail, then you tell her to DM. <laughs> yeah, I will. <laughs> she follows you. Trust me. I got her to follow you long ago, so that's good. <laughs> awesome. Okay. What about a six-one pairing with the female as a one and the guy as a six? Yeah. So. That one is interesting. So she's the six or he's the six? Sorry. The male is the six and she is the one. Okay. So these two people usually come together for like a lot of, they have a lot of similarities, the ones and the sixes. They um, are usually both after just, you know, being good and loyal people, um, sticking to the rules usually, and um, probably pretty steady emotions as well. Um, and I think that when it comes to these two, depending on who's more emotional, it really depends. Um, the one can kind of be reserved with their emotions, and um, sometimes sixes are not overly emotional, but they can be emotionally reactive, like inside of arguments and things like that. Did she have a specific question or? You're blowing my just... mind right now because when oh. you started talking about like the eight and the two, you started kind of talking about like their sexual interaction and that's yeah. what her question was about. And yeah. now the this question is exactly what you were referring to so you're just like so spot on okay so she says how do I get my boyfriend to understand that when we are fighting I need space and not to follow me around and continue arguing with me yeah okay so when it comes to um the arguments in the Enneagram there's um a triad the harmonic triads and so the ones approaching conflict with um the approach of wanting to get to a solution very quickly and they also don't or most efficiently rather and they want to take emotion out of it which can be very difficult when you're in a relationship with someone because it's emotional by default. Mm -hmm. And so the one kind of has to understand that you have to bring the emotions into it. You have to at least take them into account. So that way your partner is understanding that um, if there's an emotional need that needs to be met, that it's at least brought up and acknowledged especially for a six so the six approaches the conflict with more emotional reactivity um there's maybe even some heightened anxiety behind it so um i think as long as their emotions are being acknowledged that can kind of steady them a bit and then they can get to the resolution sometimes 
a six um, from what she's saying, like, if they don't feel like things are resolved, and they're going to want to keep going after it. And um, it's best if it gets too heated for the one to kind of say, okay, I really acknowledge what's like happening, um, but maybe she needs five minutes or whatever it is to kind of come back to it. And that also can give the six time to um, study their own emotional reactivity. Um, before coming back to each other. (laughs) Such good advice again. Amazing. So do you coach like a lot of couples? You're so good at this. Oh, thanks. I, um, so right now I have a compatibility guide that, um, it's like a five to six page PDF download. And sometimes, um, if the couples want, we can jump on a call for like an hour to go over things that are specific. It always comes down to communication, like mm-hmm. always. And so, um, and there's also worksheets that are included with that. But most of the time, I think it's so great to not wait until there's like big problems. And maybe if you're like engaged or you guys have been together for a while and like there's always things that we want to work on in our relationships, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, definitely not waiting, right? Until yeah. like you have to then seek professional therapy counsel because um, I think that a lot of people who get married were so excited in the moment and then it's like, oh, this is work, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it is. And spending so many years trying to understand each other. Honestly, girl, thank goodness for the Enneagram because truthfully, it allowed me to understand so many of my relationships so much better. Not just my relationship with Scott, even though it made such a huge difference, even though if he's like not fully in it, just like with me being Mm -hmm. really fully present and aware of it it's really helped us for sure um yeah thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us today that was so fun to talk about myself for a little bit and also (laughs) other relationships of course I love doing this and I love talking about it so yeah thank you for having me again you're definitely welcome on the show anytime um was there anything else that you wanted to talk about in regards to relationships I'm curious you said that eight and twos are a common pairing is Mm -hmm. there any pairing that you've like never seen before (laughs) um well I mean, yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot, lot of pairings that I haven't seen in real life before. I mean, there's a lot of pairings, right? Yeah, <laughs> so. there's 45. Yeah, yeah there's a lot. Um, I, yeah, it's it's really been um, interesting, like, after I wrote the book. And so, like, I had all of this, like, okay, this is how each pairing kind of functions with each other. And um, it's, it's now, like concentrating on or at least for myself like wanting to concentrate on maybe women who are in relationships right now that are not doing so great themselves and trying to get to a place where they have um the ability to kind of cultivate that self-awareness within themselves and then like bring that into the relationship like I think that 
is definitely where I'm going now with my coaching and everything. So, yeah, I think, I mean, in general, this, this book is like a great reference book. It's not the kind of book you would like sit down and read cover to cover. I mean, you could, but, um, when it comes to just like wanting to share it with your friends, like I've had people DM me and say that, especially right now, since people are um, connecting virtually that they're like having fun, you know, typing themselves and like figuring out their relationships through the pairings. That's so cool. I just love it so much. Um, yeah, I've helped my mom discover her type and my dad, my mom, your your mom's a one, right? My mom's a nine with a very strong one wing. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Good memory. And my dad is a seven. Seven. Yeah. And yeah. we can hear Penny going bananas in the background. I hear her. <laughs> I put Sammy in ten because I know he'd be here barking for sure. <laughs> and you typed your dog. Yeah, well, I type him every day. I'm like, okay. oh, today he's a nine. Today he's a, yeah. Okay. Penny has very intense levels of emotions, so I'm uh-huh. like, you're a four for sure. <laughs> It's funny. She can be really happy and sweet, and then she can just turn complete like Wolverine on us. (laughs) So outrageous. I love that. Yeah, but thanks again for coming on the show. Where can everyone grab your book? Because... I seriously want everyone to have this in their home um, just so they can learn about themselves and their relationships, whether that's like a romantic relationship or not, because you also have relationships just like at home type of relationships in this book. Yeah, the, the three chapters on the relationships, there's 45 pairings in, um, in a romantic relationship and then also at work or even like you could, um, you know, just people that you, uh, maybe like teammates, things like that. And then the home chapter can really, uh, correlate to even your friendships, you know, um, and just better understanding. I just wanted to have a chapter in there that was like non-romantic, you know, I'm so happy you um, did that. Yeah, I think it's good to, um, I get questions all the time too about, you know, friendships and those are just, just as difficult sometimes to navigate as romantic relationships. So definitely, yeah. um, but you guys can pick up the book at, uh, on Amazon or Barnes and Noble and also Target online and, um, indie books, I believe is another one. Awesome. I will include all those links in the show notes for everyone too. Yay. Yay. Thank Thank you you so so much. This was fun. I love it. You're welcome on any time. Thank you. (laughs) 